Hi guys, Bella here. <laughs> Welcome for the bonfire. Hey guys, Hide and Seek is now on Patreon. If you'd like to learn how to support the work we do, please visit www.patreon.com backslash hide and seek podcast. For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive rewards. Rewards include live events, early access to video trailers, ad-free episodes, never-before-seen videos, behind-the-scenes video and photo content, along with extended and never-before-heard interviews. My team and I would be honored to have you. Again, visit patreon.com backslash hide-and-seek-podcast. Thanks, guys. The views and opinions expressed by guests on the Hide and Seek podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or positions of the host or contributors. Hey everyone, this is Sarah. Would you like to take a more active role in the Hide and Seek community? Would you like to share your thoughts with other listeners? Join us in the Hide and Seek podcast discussion group on Facebook. You can find us by searching Hide and Seek Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. This podcast deals with mature topics that may not be suitable for all listeners. Material heard on the Hide and Seek Podcast is intended for adult listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Sweet dreams are made of this. 24 Hour News Aid's Brady Gillum went to Sturgis tonight to speak with the missing woman's mother about what may have happened to her daughter. I can tell you where she most likely is. I hadn't seen anybody that I felt comfortable saying anything to until today. The stories they tell are pretty fucked. They're pretty freaking gruesome. I have all the text messages, Facebook messages, the messages between me and Brittany, I have all of them. I have everything. I told him, I said, I'll kill all them motherfuckers, and I was going to have my people fucking take care of it. I'll just say Brittany's name out of nowhere just to see what somebody says. Because this little town around here would be hard to hide something like that, because eventually everything comes out. Some days I don't believe anything happened to her. I think she's in slow. This is Hide and Seek, Season 3, Part 3. The final chapter. I'm your host, James Basinger. I just want to say how much I love Cage when he does the right thing. I'm so glad the laptop found its way. I can't imagine being Jessica standing there, not knowing if her child was about to be found. I can't imagine the emotions the air was filled with at the cemetery going through the locations. This episode makes me feel like there's so much hope in finding her. Great job, team. 
Hey guys. The words you just heard are feedback from the last episode when we wrapped up our visit to the cemetery. For now. A friend of Cage's that loaned it to Ashley while she and Cage were living with her. Des told us how she came into possession of her laptop after Ashley was asked to leave the property and took the laptop with her. So, what's the plan? The plan is to discuss the laptop with the detective when I make a return to Sturgis. I met with someone who shared with us a memory of a time when he was with Ashley after Brittany disappeared. He said, while he was relaxing with her one evening, his vantage point allowed him to view her phone screen. He recounts watching her access and delete Brittany's Facebook account. We went back in time to October of 2022 and visited a cemetery with cadaver dogs and not one, but two visits with a GPR. The preliminary was done by the search and rescue team and the follow-up was done by our friends Mike and Sean from WorkSmart. Mike and Sean confirmed what the search and rescue team found, an anomaly under the surface of the earth on the backside of the gravestone, somewhere remains would typically be. After sharing results with Detective Auden and Sheriff Harker from LaGrange County, Indiana, we move forward with the dig to identify the anomaly remains. After waiting for what seemed like ages, Detective Otten called me and told me there was nothing found. A wise person once said, I would rather have questions that cannot be answered than answers that cannot be questioned. By the time those results came in, it was too late in the season to consider a follow-up plan to travel back to Michigan. So, we'll continue to question the answers provided until such time when we can answer these questions ourselves. Sheriff Harker, thanks for your willingness to help. Community engagement matters and is essential for empowering individuals and communities to participate in the process of government decision-making. Communities aren't limited to the place you call home. Take my listeners for example, the hide-and-seek community. Those who seek justice in this case make up a community. And communities aren't simply a group of people who have a particular characteristic in common. When people are encouraged to participate in projects that impact a community, they're a part of it. It facilitates equitable, fair, and sustainable outcomes and increases visibility and understanding. It is the profound connection between neighbors, friends, and strangers who come together for a common purpose. This unbreakable bond is nurtured by acts of selflessness and empathy reminding us all of the strength that lies within our collective energy. It is a gift that keeps on giving, a powerful reminder that together we can conquer any obstacle and create a world where compassion and unity can prevail. I'm sure you recall the community rally that was organized by a community member named Jackie. Jackie enlisted the help of other community members and the rally was held in March, 2023. Many of us will never forget the loud demands for justice from the devoted group of attendees, including Brittany's family, who showed their support for one another, but also encouraged law enforcement to reinvest into Brittany's case. Jackie and those who assisted her continued the call for community engagement in April with a letter writing campaign. Form letters calling for action to be taken in Brittany's case flooded St. Joseph County Sheriff's Department. 
Over a thousand letters were sent from all 50 states, as well as Canada, Australia, Portugal, Scotland, United Kingdom, and New Zealand. Jackie, for those who don't know, you were in charge of putting together a rally from the sheriff's office, did a whole rally. Jessica's there, had a great turnout. You wanted to write a letter to the sheriff's office. You know, what inspired you to do that? Well, I feel that you had put forth a lot of evidence. There has been a crime committed against Brittany. Feel like you had put enough evidence out there to support that a crime had been committed against her. Crimes against this case, I didn't feel that law enforcement was acting on that. There was a lot that slipped through the cracks. We needed to get their attention, not only with the rally, but follow it up with a letter campaign to the undersheriff and the detective heading the case to hear our voices, that it just wasn't a one-day thing with the rally and we'll go away. What were you looking for the sheriff's office to do? And what was the response that you were calling for? My expectations were they would look at the evidence and the crimes against this case and the person who has taken over Brittany's accounts illegally, tampered with evidence, impeded the investigation, and do something about that. Call the person to task, hold them accountable for the mess they have made of this case. Thoroughly investigate the whereabouts of Brittany's husband. Thoroughly investigate the whereabouts of the best friend who had entered all of these accounts. Trying to call to action to get them to move and act that we as a community see that these things have been done against this case and you as law enforcement need to do something about it. It went far beyond my expectations. We had over a thousand letters to each officer go in to them. They heard us loud and clear. We had people from all over the states. You had people from other countries. I don't know if you were aware of that or not, but we were definitely keeping track of, of where and how many. When I'm looking at cases to pick, I want the cases that aren't talked about, didn't get a lot of media attention. Yeah. I mean, Brittany's name and her story has spread. Knowing that you put this campaign to, to encourage people to write these letters and that they would write this far from across the world to say, this girl matters, what does that do for you? For those who can't see, you're, you're tearing up now, just knowing the movement that this generated. What if I had let my fear stop me from reaching out to you? What if I had let that stop me? And so I'm very thankful the Lord pushed me to do it, the courage to do it. I just can't even believe the response that we got. Tears are for the family because that's really why I got involved. This family needed help and encouragement, people to come alongside them and get law enforcement to take this case seriously. They were doing a lot of searches, but they weren't doing the legwork with the investigation with the people and interrogating them. 
and they should have. Let's say hide and seek season four, season two, season one. And let's say there's a, a person in the community who's probably sitting in the seat just like you were and in, in considering, you know, do I take that leap? And like you said, there's a part where you feel a little fearful. Did you feel almost like, I don't know how to do this and almost like I shouldn't do any, any of this at all? Step out in faith and do it. I had no idea what I was doing. You and Sarah are a great support system, but so is the hide and seek community, a great support system. Step out in faith and act, even if you don't know them. I, I didn't know this family at all. There are people in your community that need support, whether you know them or not. Come alongside and support them. The letter campaign produced results we're still hearing about months later. Driven by a sincere desire to raise awareness, we chose Brittany's case for season three. Awareness is born from exposure, and exposure comes from shining a light on those who have been lost in the shadows. Brittany, just like Nancy and Logan, represents one of the countless missing persons whose story has not been heard or seen as widely as it deserves. It's a poignant reality that not every missing person receives the level of exposure they should. And it's the imbalance that community engagement, like the letter writing campaign, helps to conquer. I want to personally thank Jackie and Susan for spearheading this campaign and to the hundreds of people from the hide-and-seek community who showed up for change. For Brittany, for her family, and for justice. Nothing fuels transformation more passionately than the community discovering what it cares about. Since we began working on Brittany's case, there's been no shortage of odd occurrences and they continue to happen. A small action has shown to have a ripple effect and impact us, or our actions somewhere down the line. Let me introduce you to the butterfly effect. The butterfly effect describes a phenomenon where a minor change in circumstances may cause a major change in outcome. When we initially started investigating Brittany's case, a few people sent us Brittany's call log of outgoing calls that Christina M. and Jessica obtained shortly after Brittany disappeared. Like most people, we checked out the numbers on the call log. One of those numbers came back with a few listings, and one of those listings led to an AT&T customer named Zach. Yeah, I know. Another duplicate name. We'll call him Zach H. Keep things straight. We saw comments in different places concerning Zach H. And this phone number. When I decided it was time to pursue information about Zach H, he was incarcerated. Now, it's not only Zach's phone number that's cause of concern, because two days before Brittany disappears, something odd takes place on Facebook. It pings my radar again after we received the case file, because in 2020, a witness came forward to law enforcement stating that while both passengers were in the vehicle, he confessed to the homicide of Brittany Shank. I got word that Zach was released after many attempts. I was finally able to speak to Zach. Hello. What's going on, man? Oh, hell, I'm breathing. I'm decent, I guess. Appreciate you jumping on this, man. I definitely 
been wanting to chat for a little bit just because obviously you know what I'm doing. Jessica probably inform you who I am, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. Yeah, she told me. I mean, I've heard of you from other people too. Shit, I know a bunch of people that listen to you. I mean, you're a storyteller, right? So people don't always have to like your story. I don't really know how much help I'll be for you, though, bud. You never knew Brittany, though. Not a day in your life, never met her. No, sir. Not at all. No mother. Do you go by Arkansas? Is that your nickname as well? Yeah, sometimes folks call me that. How did you meet Jessica? I met her through a mutual friend of ours. Was it before Brittany went missing? I'd say it was probably five, maybe six years ago. Where were you living in 2018? Here in Three Rivers. Have any roommates? Did you stay with anybody? Share a house with anybody? Man, I bounced all over the damn place, to tell you the truth. Pretty sure that's whenever I did one of my counting years. A good portion of it that was locked up, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, you know your name's been thrown into the mix. Whoever brought it in, there's lots of just different stories and rumors, but I'd just love to hear what you've heard. According to a county detective, my name was brought in by Mystique Condi and Tracy, uh, Tracy Abrams. That's who threw my name in the mix, to the police anyway. I don't know exactly what to say, bud. I was actually getting booked out of the county jail and had a detective waiting on me on the library and asked me if I would speak to him for a moment. We went back here and talked about it. He asked me some questions. I told him that I thought I was incarcerated during the time, but I wasn't sure pretty close to when I was supposed to be incarcerated. He did some checking, checked out my story and everything, said that uh, I was good to go. I asked him before I left, well, you know, since it was all bullshit, I'd like to know who the hell threw my name out there like that. And he was more more than happy to tell me, actually. Apparently they don't like it when you fill a head full of shit. All I know is that apparently Tracy and the state said that uh, I was involved with the killing of her or whatever it was. I'm saying, like I said, it's been years ago when he questioned me, so I don't really remember specifically. It was all bullshit anyway. I didn't really, I was more mad about the fact that they threw me in the mix of that bullshit. What's your level of, do you sell drugs? Do you buy? Do you, how often? I mean, Well, buddy, that ain't nothing about this investigation, is it? It has a role, yeah. I mean, in the past, I have, I guess. I've been convicted of it, so. It is what it is, right? So the reason why I say it does have a role and does have a play is because Brittany, she was looking for dope the night she went missing. Yeah, definitely. Wouldn't have been for me, bud. At one point, you, you did sell, right? Yeah, at one point, back years ago. How long ago? 
Well, I did drug court 2020. So I had to report in. Some of the characters involved in this case, do you know most of them, such as Eric Shank, JJ Fox, Don Hill, Ashley Marie? I know Eric Shank barely. I know JJ Fox a little bit. What about Ashley? Ashley who? Ashley Marie. Oh, absolutely. I, I know her somewhat, yeah. Yeah, I know her. You're the first person to correct me with her last name. Uh, like I said, I do know her. She was a friend of uh, a girl I was kind of talking to, saying a little bit. That's how I met her. What year was that? Like 2017 or so. I mean, we were cool, I guess. We weren't really close or nothing like that. Any dealings together? Um, yeah, a little bit here and there, I guess. What was your dealings like with Ashley? What Did you buy from her or did she buy from you? Well, I didn't buy from very many people, so she, uh, most of them bought from me. Let's back up to the to the point where you were talking about Mystique and, and Tracy and what they had said to law enforcement and how that's how you got brought into this, right? Yes, sir. So you you referred her uh, to a different last name, but Tracy, you said Tracy Abram, is that right? Or Abrams or Scott, whatever you want to call it. What was the relationship between you two? She was a like a friend of what I call family up here. I'm saying she, uh, her dad lived with uh, my best friend's mother. She's kind of almost, I guess, family, I guess, to a certain extent. I knew her dad real well, but I didn't know her so well. She's uh, kind of strange, I guess. I mean, I know we're all a little, a little quirky, a little weird, but She's a little bit stranger than most. So she's somewhat of a pet, uh, space cadet, if you would. Is someone here with us? Yeah, a friend of mine just walked into the room. Just, she says she's a big fan. So Tracy doesn't really know this crowd of people. <laughs> no, but at the time that it all, with uh, her telling the police that her and Mystique were hanging out real, real thick. And Mystique and I had a, a brief between us. Tracy, I've been trying to get a hold of her. Do you know how I can get a hold of her? I do not. I mean, I could possibly ask Mama. Mama might know. Forget what her story was that she told me. Because I mean, it pissed Mom and everybody else. You know, when I come tell them. So she had some fucking issues. So Tracy said you had made a comment to her while you were in the back seat of a car. She says you tell her that you were involved in Brittany's disappearance. Never happened. Never had her in the back seat of a car. Yeah, I've never had her in the back seat of a car of mine ever. <laughs> so no conversation. I don't know if she was saying you both were in the back or she was in the back or you were in the back and she was driving, you were driving. I have no idea. Like I said, buddy, <laughs> me and her have never been in the backseat of a car in Cass County. I believe the only time I ever rode in the backseat of any car that she was in 
it had been a car that her and her girlfriend drove once was from Three Rivers to White Pigeon, and that's nowhere near Cass County. Comments were never brought up about Brittany. Fuck no way. I never commented on her because I didn't know the girl. Had any dealings with her, never had any interaction with her. So, while I feel bad about it, same time it's not my, you know, I don't talk about it. I don't really get interested in things like that. When you got questioned and everything, did you ever actually go look at where you were at on November 30th, 2018? Like I said, I think that I was incarcerated during that time period. With them pulling you in, I would imagine if they would have looked that up, they wouldn't have pulled you in and said, well, it's not possible if he's here. Actually, whenever I brought it up to him, it was the first time he thought about that, I guess. And I, I assumed I was correct because he never contacted me again. I could be wrong. Ashley Marie, what's your relationship like with her today? I mean, uh, today, today I don't think she likes me very much. Why? <laughs> Just for uh, personal reasons, I guess. Uh, kind of pissed her off one way or another. She was kind of staying down close to where I was in Montville here recently, probably back about seven, eight, nine months ago, something like that. Giving a ride to the store or something, she left a bag in my vehicle, some chick went through it or some shit, through some shit, I don't know. The whole bunch of damn drama and bullshit I didn't want no part of. After she moved out of Village Manor, then I didn't really have any uh, dealings with her until here recently. Definitely didn't like the line of questioning about anything other to do with her, but... uh I had all the direct questions, and I didn't do my job with prodding around and picking around, trying to figure out, like I said, I got to kick the tree as hard as I can and shake it as hard as I can for this girl who's missing. I know you get it. I don't mind. Yeah, I, I get it. I don't mind because, like I said, I'm doing it as a favor to Jessica because I, mean, I really don't have any bad feelings toward Jessica or have anything bad to say about her, I suppose. Anything I can do to help her, I would. How would you say it? Anybody trying to hide anything to do with any part of their life, I imagine. In your line of questioning, probably would seem difficult to deal with, make things a little harder. So I'm trying to be as forthcoming as I can, as much as I don't like some of your questions. I appreciate it. Like you said, you understand why we're doing it. I've read the, the testimony from Tracy. We've had the conversation. Never happened. Never was in a car. Never admitted to it. Have you ever confronted Tracy about this? Oh, yeah, I did. Damn right, dude. What'd she say? Oh, she kind of tried to giggle about it at first until she said I was pretty pissed off. And then she apologized and said something about mistake and something else, you know. Basically, a mistake put her up to it or whatever. Yeah, it was uh, some bullshit. Either way it goes, I don't give a damn who put you up to it. That's not something you do. Have you ever confronted Mystique? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the same thing she always says. I'm sorry, I was mad at you then, or some shit like that. You know? Yeah. It's wonderful. Some people you just can't reason with or talk to, you know what I mean? You know, they get ignorant and I want to get ignorant back. So I just rather uh, go the other direction. I said, in a high profile case such as this, you factor in probably about 95% of what you hear is going to be bullshit. 
only one of these stories is true and what led to her disappearance and what led to... So, of course, there's a lot of rabbit trails that we had to go down. Everybody wants to be famous, you know? Everybody wants to go 10 minutes of pain. I know this and this and that, and really, they don't know shit. I don't know a damn thing, i tell you that. So I don't claim to. No, I can, I can appreciate an honest conversation, someone not taking me down on these rabbit trails. So Ashley had got to the point of accessing Brittany's account information, her emails to her Facebook, to her text now. That's impressive. Okay. So did she have any, I mean, interactions with anybody that night or that day that would help? I mean, that seems like that would be pretty good information to have. That's kind of where we're getting to. On November 28th, 2018. Do you remember sending Brittany a Facebook friend request? Because it's it's on there that she rejected your friend request. No, I don't recall that. I mean, I guess it could have happened. Because I want to back up to the comment about how you had never met her, didn't know her. You only knew mom. Keep it at 100 with you. I'm going off of just the facts are. A friend request rejected on November 28th, 2018. So if we didn't know her, what's going on? Well, I can't tell you, man. There could have been any number of things. Could have thought she was somebody else. For all I know, it's 2018. That's a long time ago. I'll tell you this, though. You ain't find no messages back and forth or nothing like that. There isn't any messages between the two of you, so there's no interactions, not, you know, as far as conversations the night she went missing or anything like that. Uh, not just the night she went missing, I'm saying period, point period ever. Do you remember sending the friend request? I do not, sir. I do not. Maybe it's an accidental thing. I couldn't tell you. I would almost guarantee that it was accidental because I don't, like I said, I didn't know her. Vaguely knew Eric. I think that was afterwards anyway. Or pretty close to the, yeah, it's pretty, it might have been close to the time she bumped this, but I think it was still afterwards. Like you were mentioning earlier, you said you could see a, a mother doing whatever she can to try to figure out what happened to her daughter. Of course, I do whatever I could to figure out my kids. Do you remember your phone number? Well, back then, hell no. That's somebody do. I've had so many different freaking numbers, bro. If you spit it out to me, I might would know it, but... Jessica, when Brittany went missing, she actually went down to Boost, was able to talk to a representative there who was able to uh, share with Jessica the call log of Brittany's last phone calls the day that she went missing. Good. So this is on November 30th, the day that she goes missing. I have a program that I'm able to look up information on phone numbers. Okay. And so I'm able to see who she was talking to on the day that she went missing. Okay. Brittany has 
eight phone calls outbound. And most of the calls are short and brief. But there's one phone call about three minutes long. When I run the number on this number that was on her report, it came back to your name. What was her number? Did you talk to her? No, I haven't ever spoken to her. The number is... That is one of your numbers. That is one of your numbers? One of my old ones, yeah. My really, really old ones. I had it for a while. So, Zach, why is there a three-minute phone call on her call log if that's one of your old numbers? Not to sound like somebody that's trying to dodge or anything like that, but... And at the end of it, I didn't have that number any longer because it was stolen. What do you mean it was stolen? The phone was stolen from me at one point. Can't remember when exactly it was. And I mean, I don't know. I said, I've never spoken to her, never had any dealings with her. So, I don't know. I wish I had a better answer than that. Put yourself in my shoes. If I was fighting for your kid right here, you wouldn't want me to be okay with just accepting that. So I'm going to keep pushing. You can keep working, bud. I mean, I wouldn't deny ownership of the number. It was my number at one time. It was a, a prepaid number, I believe. Maybe AT&T. Yep. I'm not mistaken. Prepaid. Like I told you, it was stolen from me at the, at the end of me having it. So so let's talk about that because I got to make sense of this three minute because that's, this is one of her longer phone calls that she has on the day that she goes missing. So I'm trying to understand what's going on. Uh, trust me, but if I had, had any inclination at all, I definitely wouldn't set myself up to look like that. How is the phone number stolen then? Like I'm I, like everything, the phone and SIM card, all of that was stolen. It happens all the time, but <laughs> you know how many phones I go through. It seems like there's something that, there's there's a relationship there or whatever. I don't know what it is, but I got November twenty eighth, her rejecting this friend request from you, but you don't remember it. Okay. People send from friend requests all the time. I'm not gonna say that that's a major deal, but when okay. I'm stacking this stuff together, she rejected it, but then she calls you. I'm trying to figure out what this three minute phone call is about, especially since we know obviously it was your phone number. I don't know. I mean I can't remember when my phone got stolen, if it was during that time or not. And I also can't remember if, I don't know, maybe she was friends with a mutual friend of mine or something and got my number from somebody else. I can't tell you what happened, bud. I can't tell you. Why she called, I can tell you. I never talked to her on my phone. That's what I can tell you. So, I mean, if it was a three-minute call to somebody, it was somebody and I had no knowledge of it. Not a whole lot of clarification for you, but I mean, that's the best thing to do for you. Well, let's continue with it. If you say someone stole your phone. I'm not saying right then during that time period. I'm just saying the reason I didn't have that number any longer is because it was stolen at some point. I don't know. When? Roundabout. No, I couldn't tell you. Like I said, it could have been 
she called out to somebody else on it. I don't know. But it wasn't a phone call to me. I never I said, I never mom, not her. And one of her journals, she even wrote this phone number down. So obviously this phone number was important to her. She wrote my number down in the journal? Yeah. I'm trying to understand this. Yeah, I wish I could help you, but I don't know. I had a number for like it was not for a while. I was like, what? It was a long time. I mean, I had the number for a while, and it only got stolen eventually. That's one that you had over at Motley. Yeah, because at first it wasn't, and then that story. Yeah. Okay, well. Can you inform me what I didn't hear? Uh, she was saying that she was remembering having that number. So here's my thing is let's say that number is stolen or that phone is stolen from you, right? Right. We got to figure out when. Who had it? Right, when and who had it just they did. Hey, man, here's the thing. This doesn't obviously look good when it's to your phone the day that she goes missing. And you're saying, hey, man, I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't talk to her. I didn't have, wasn't on the phone with her. That wasn't me on the three minute phone call. So if someone stole the phone, so you were saying earlier, I don't know how I can help out. This is a big fucking piece. Well, if it got stolen when she thinks it got stolen with my pistol and everything, if that's when it got stolen. When did she think it got stolen? When I first moved to Mottville, it would have been a couple of years ago. It would have been before drug court. No, not Mottville yet. Probably would have been Three Rivers Trailer Park over behind McDonald's. That the phone got stolen? Yeah, yeah, around about. I'm trying to pinpoint where I was hanging out and everything. You understand, that's a number of years ago, what, five years ago? All right, so yeah, I'm going to try to park over, over behind McDonald's, more than likely. A friend of mine was staying there and he tried to, that's where I spent most of my time during that time period. Bring me home here. We're trying to figure out when the cell phone was, cell phone was taken, stolen. Yeah, I'm trying to pin it down for you, roundabout. I don't want to tell you something false, you know what I mean? No, you're good. You're good. I'm, I'm okay with people trying to recount their memories. So that's how it works. If you have to put the story together to figure out, but let's do it, though. Let's go back to 2018, Zach. You had that phone number. You got it. It was a prepaid phone number from AT&T. Yep. Yeah, but I can't remember the damn date, man. Five years ago. I can't remember the date though. I feel like you would know when your phone was stolen. If you could remember setting up a prepaid account and you remember it was the, who the carrier was, you know, of course, if someone stole my phone, not, not not so much necessarily the specific date, but the incident, the incident in itself, I'm just trying to help you out here and trying to understand and remember. I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was going with it. Uh, like I was hanging out over my Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, it wasn't. It was either one of the ones from or that's the one that got taken in Niles. I can't remember which fucking one it was. <laughs> Bear with me. 
like I said, I've had a lot of phones stolen over the years, and all of them are prepaid. So, I mean, I usually just get a different number. What sticks out, sticks out to me is, uh, is one that you knew was AT&T. So that was one of the phones that I had for a longer period of time. You know I mean, that number is one of them that I kept for a while. All right, well, let's keep digging because I'm. this is what I do, man. I'm going to be patient with it. Let's figure it out. Let's figure it out when, when this thing was stolen, where you were at, so I can go question them if that's the case. Right. Because if they stole your phone, man, and they're calling, and they make that, and Brittany makes that call to them, and I'm, I'm looking at the wrong guy, right? And then that's, obviously, I'm sitting in front of you for a reason, but if I'm going after the wrong person, I want to go after, I don't want to get the wrong person here, man. I get what you're trying to go on right here, but, and I, I get that it don't look real good. You come up after me, like I did something, had something to do with it. You definitely gonna be going after the wrong guy. You definitely be a waste of your time. None of this is a waste of my time. I'm peeling back the layers here, and I'm here, right? We're here. We're having a conversation. This phone call has been a big issue of mine that's been sticking out for a while because I'm looking at who she talked to the day of her disappearance. Right. right. I know that she's looking for drugs. Obviously, with your history, I'm not here to say, hey, man, you're the guy who did it. Tell us the truth. I'm also just trying to understand the whole picture. If you were offering drugs to people and you were selling and she was looking, and I know that she was trying to get dope because she contacted the next lover of hers that night. And he says, hey, it's not, it's not going to happen. She moves on to the next dealer. Ashley was her dealer or Eric was her dealer. That's not going well and she doesn't go to them. I'm trying to understand, okay, well, who else is she buying from? And when I look at her phone log, the only person left at me. <laughs> wow. That's where we're at. If you're saying, Zach, hey, I'm not the guy. I'm trying to understand the friend request rejected. I could sympathize with the fact that maybe you sent one thinking it's somebody, whatever. When we have a rejected friend request from her, we have a phone call, we have your number written down in her journals. Is she just trying to go get some dough from you? Was there any kind of note outside my number? No. Any kind of connotation, any kind of context? No. Nope. I remember looking at it and seeing sometimes there was certain names of, of individuals in the in her journal. Uh, I'll go back and take a look. It doesn't change, obviously, that, that she wrote that number down because it was important. No, I don't know. But then again, like I said, it was stolen at some point. Could possibly be somebody else's name out beside my number. That would help me, you know, because I never did. Generally, I don't find who steals my shit or I give it back. But like I said, I'm not even, I can't tell you 100% that that's, that it was stolen then. I can just tell you that it was stolen. Like I said, me and Ashley barely hung out at all when she lived at, she lived at Village Manor for, I met her, right about the end of her staying there. And then we lost contact for years. So when she was at Village Manor and she gets evicted, that's when you were hanging out with her? It was around before she got evicted. Because she still had that black SUV, whatever kind of car it was. Did you still have that phone then when you were hanging out with Ashley? I think so. I think so. I do think so. If you had the phone then when she gets evicted, then that would mean that you had the phone on November 30th. Thank you.
Okay. Well, I still don't think the fact that I don't remember. Hell, I can't even get the timeline straight. <laughs> I damn sure ain't gonna remember much else about it. I mean, it wasn't really. I don't know. Like I said I didn't ever know the girl. So, if you didn't know her, why would she write the number down? Or if you didn't know her, why would she? I don't know. Unless she she could have got it from somebody else. I mean, I I was a drug dealer. Was it just one phone call? One of the longer calls of the day. One of the longer calls of the day. Okay, well. She talked to somebody. I mean, I see when she calls. Yeah. And trying to wrap my head around this. I mean, I wish I knew. I wish I knew who it was, but, but it wasn't me. Who were you close with at that time? Because who would have access to your cell phone? Oh, shit, I was close to... I mean, a bunch of people had access to my phone wouldn't. I was always lonely in hell. That's not, that's not hell. That's not a good avenue to go to hell. There was a ton of people that used my phone back then. A lot of people don't have a phone. What did you sell back then, if you don't mind me asking? I sold meth, of course. On November 30th, when this phone call is made, Brittany didn't call you and speak to you and talk about going and picking up dope from you? No, she didn't. And you don't really have any ideas to who this phone call is with on your end? No, I don't. I wish I did. It's damn sure put us top to all this. And nobody told me that they had spoken to her or nothing like that. Like, it wasn't brought up to me. Somebody asked to borrow my phone. I don't generally question one about. The part that's that's hard about that though is that Brittany calls this phone. She called the number. Yeah, I get that. I don't know. Maybe she called and asked for somebody that was with me. That could have possibly happened. Who would she call and ask for? Fuck if I know, but I don't know who her old friends were. Apparently, her and I were more connected on more fronts than what I imagined. Yeah, I mean, that friend request rejected. I mean, that happens on the 28th, two days before she goes missing. And then there's this phone call to, to you the day she goes missing. Like, we got to find, like, here's the thing is we can't just chalk it up to, yeah, I don't know. We got to figure this out. Someone's missing, you know what I'm saying? Zach, I appreciate if you're, like I said, if you're not, if you're not my guy, man, I appreciate your willingness and your cooperation thus far. If this is not you on this phone call and this is someone stole your phone, then help me figure it out who did it. But like I said, I think we've narrowed it down to where I had my phone still. So I won't dispute that there's a phone record there. You know, you can't dispute that. I can't tell you I don't know who was on the other end of it. So I mean asking me to pinpoint who was on my phone or who was with me on November thirtieth, five years ago. Have you ever looked at your social media account history, messages? I mean, I haven't had access to that Facebook. And how far are you willing to go? Because I can get you access to that Facebook, but I'll go as far as you want to go with it. But as far as you want to dig, you can dig all you want. Any legal dealings that don't have anything to do with her, you keep to yourself. Whatever you got to do to clear me off your list, but I don't care. I'm more than willing. I know I didn't have shit to do with it. I don't have any kind of correlation with anybody that did. I'm going to be very blunt with it, man. That wasn't you on that phone call with Brittany that night. You didn't go with her to Grandma's house. 
Did not. That wasn't you on the phone call? No, sir. I, I wish I wish my memory was better. I really do. I wish something would have stuck out more. But apparently it didn't. So all I can do is this. Just give you access to everything I can. Question number one, who who was with me yeah, on that you. day? If a polygraph was even thrown out on the table, would you take it? More than willing. More than willing anytime, buddy. Yeah, I got no no qualms about that at all. I understand that a couple of people have done it for you. Yeah. yeah. One of them didn't go too well. Yeah, I heard about that. My conversation with Zach H. clarified a couple things, but created more questions. He reported to me not knowing Brittany. He said he never met her, but had interacted with Jessica. You heard me ask Zach H. about the phone number that showed up on Brittany's outgoing call log on November 30th, 2018. A number that had been previously attributed to him in search results and online comments. He confirmed this number previously belonged to him, but hadn't had this number in years. What I didn't expect was what happened when I hung up with Zach. I'm breaking down my interview with Sarah, the interview I just had with Zach H. Five minutes into our discussion, my phone started ringing. I look at the screen, and my immediate reaction was disbelief. The number calling me was the number I just spoke to Zach H. about. You know, his old phone number. The same one I see on Brittany's outbound call log is now calling me. So I answer. Hello, this is a call from... Richie or Rico. A prisoner at the Michigan Department of Corrections, Ken Ross facility. If you feel you're being victimized or exported by this prisoner... When I answer, it's a call from the jail with a name I don't recognize. I'm curious how Zach H's name would have gotten attached to this number. Intriguing. So, I do a follow-up check. Is Zach's name? It's gone. It's been removed from the listing. Not too long after my interview with Zach H, I began hearing that he reached out to Ashley after we spoke and filled her in. It's no issue. What we spoke about is no secret, especially since it was just aired for everyone to hear. What does cause me for pause is that if this story was true, and he really didn't know Ashley very well, why would he reach out to her? How would he even know where or how to find her? The search for closure. Tonight, a team of scientists hoping to find answers for Kristen Smart's family. One of the most recent well-known nobody homicide cases in the United States is that of Kristen Smart, a 19-year-old California State Polytech University student. It's believed that she was killed in 1996 during an attempted rape, but her body has never been found. Paul Flores, now 45, was accused of being the one to take Kristen's life. The case went cold, but in 2019, Chris Lambert created a podcast about the case called My Own Backyard. According to court records, after killing her, Flores hid Kristen's body with the help of his father. 
after more than 25 years, in October of 2022, Paul Flores was convicted of the murder of Kristen Smart and sentenced to 25 years to life. The San Luis Obispo Police Credit Lambert's work on the podcast with helping to close this case. Corpus delecti means body of the crime, but it doesn't mean an actual body is necessary for prosecution. Before an individual can be charged with a crime, there needs to be proof that a crime took place. Without a body, you need to make sure that other evidence, both circumstantial and forensic, is overwhelming. In cases of homicide, a body or remains are considered the most crucial piece of evidence. What can a body generally tell investigators? Typically, what you'll learn from a body or remains is when and how a murder happened. But what about those cases where the victim is never found? More and more, these cases are being prosecuted and often proven. Since 1843, more than 500 known no-body murder trials have been held in the United States. Tad Tobias is that nation's leading expert on nobody homicide cases. For over 12 years, he was an assistant United States attorney in the District of Columbia, where he prosecuted homicide cases for most of that time. In January of 2006, he successfully prosecuted the second no-body murder case tried in D.C. In 2020, Tad was selected as general counsel for the United States Capitol Police. The opportunity to learn from someone as experienced and knowledgeable in this area, as he is, is priceless. The clarity and insights provided by an expert can significantly influence our understanding of the case, the evidence, and its implications. Sarah and I sat down to discuss this topic with her friend, Tad. Well, first, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it because I really appreciate the attention to these cases and to missing um, persons in general. You guys get his interview tomorrow, next time on Hide and Seek. Would you like to show your support for the Hide and Seek podcast? Find our Instagram and Facebook page by searching Hide and Seek Podcast. Like and follow to hear updates on past seasons as they become available and stay up to date on season three. Find our discussion group by searching Hide and Seek Discussion Group on Facebook. The Hide and Seek podcast is hosted, directed, edited, and produced by James Basinger. Written, edited, and produced by Sarah Joe. Engineered, mixed, and mastered by Nudon's Audio Engineering. Director of Photography is Ethan Schatz. Our graphic design is created by Jordan Robinson. A special thanks to all those involved in our ground team and to our Patreon supporters. Thank you for helping make our investigations possible. Thank you for listening to Hard to Sink. Peace out.